This is the Leadership Forum. Consider if everybody did what you are doing, would the world be a better place? That's a principle for just checking whether what you are doing is correct. Welcome to the Leadership Forum, where we explore principles, practices, and perspectives of effective leadership. Amen. So we switch gears, Bishop. You know, last time we were together, we... We, I believe we concluded about leaders around the cross. Yes, we did. Yes. So so what do you have for us today? Um, I, I, I was thinking of us introducing a new subject, but considering what is going on and where we are as a nation, I thought of actually going back to something we have discussed on this leadership forum before, uh, but I thought would just be appropriate again uh, to look at just in case there are people who are listening afresh or even those who have listened before, uh, to for us to consider as leaders, we are in a transition period within government. We have new leaders that have come into office at different levels, right from the president all the way to lowest levels. The, we have seen changes uh, in, in leadership at various levels. So there's a new crop of leaders that are coming into office, including myself in ESEC. Yes. And one, one issue that I think we need to just revisit is the fact that leadership is service. That is something that we talk about. Many leaders will tell you that, you know, we are servant leadership and so on. What does it really mean to take leadership as service? How does one uh, operate as a servant leader? That is something we have, as I said, we have discussed it here before. Uh, therefore, it's not going to be brand new for our listeners, who ardent listeners who have been with us uh, over the years. Uh, so it will be a repetition of what we have said, but I would like us to just revisit again in light of the fact that many new leaders, are come, many new people are getting into positions of leadership. And this whole concept of service um, is something that we, we really need to embrace, not just talk about, but embrace that if, some, if you have been given a leadership position in whichever level, you can be a Sunday school teacher or superintendent in a church. You can be an MCA in a, in a, in a, at a county level. You can be a chief, you know. You, you may be a CS, a PS, uh, a head of a parastatal, a president, you know. All this has been bestowed upon us that we may serve the people that we are in charge of. So that is the purpose of leadership. And this is where the concept of servant leadership really comes in. And it was first uh, exemplified by Jesus Christ himself. Yes. You know, and we talked about it a few uh, weeks or sessions back when we were talking about James and John. Yes. You know? Yes. And James and John come to ask Jesus, want to sit on the left, want mm -hmm. to sit on the right. And Jesus takes that opportunity to teach them about servant leadership. Mm 
And he tells them, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In other words, Jesus is saying, I have come from heaven, but I've come to serve. So I've not come here as king where people are going to be falling at my throne and be prostrating themselves and so on. Uh, I could do that because I'm from the Father, yes. you know? Yes. So, but he says, I have come to serve. That is the concept of servant leadership. And it is an attitude of the mind. If us chair of ESCC, I see my role and responsibility as a privilege for me to eat, for me to enjoy, for me to enrich myself. Then what I'll be looking for is the perks, is the benefits, is what I can get out of it. And my preoccupation will be looking for ways and means to get whatever it is that can enrich me. But if I go into this as an opportunity to serve the people of Kenya, then I'll spend most of my time thinking of how can we best work on this? What, what are the strategies we can use? How can we uh, make sure that Kenya is uh, delivered from this vice of corruption. That is what will be occupying my mind. And that's, I must say, is what is occupying my mind as of now. So when you hear people getting into positions of responsibility and the next thing you're hearing is embezzlement of funds and uh, diversion of resources, it tells you that that person came into that position and that office with first and foremost thinking, what is in it for me? So the attitude is wrong from the beginning. The attitude is wrong. The perspective of leadership is wrong, wrong from the beginning. Mm. Because you are coming into this with the very mindset. Before I live in my five years, two years, three years, one year, whatever your term is, and this is across the board, even in church, you know, you have become a bishop or a senior pastor or uh, in charge of a department, and all you are thinking is, what can I get in the short time that I have in this place? I call it, and others have called it, the scarcity mentality. Yes. You, you, you want to acquire as much as you can within that short time that you are there. And short time can be 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? And that is what is engaging your mind. Yeah. So as you pray, as you think, as you plan, as you strategize, all you are thinking about is how do, do I enrich myself? And I fear, therefore, in the place where I sit, that there are many of our leaders who have come into these places, having been privileged to be appointed out of the 47, 50 million of us in Kenya. The appointing authority identified you. God identified you and gave you this privilege and honor to serve him and to serve his people. But the only thing you are thinking of 
is how to better yourself, how to enrich yourself. Whether it is in a corporate sector or it is in public sector, whether it is in the religious community or whichever place it is, it is a wrong mentality. Yeah. It's a wrong mentality. And it, the concept of servant leadership, when applied properly, first and foremost, it says, I am here for you. I have come to serve you. Uh, I'm not here to be served. Yeah. That's what Jesus said. Yes. If we all approach leadership with that perspective, then many of the things we are talking about today, by the way, ESEC would not be necessary. Mm. It will not be necessary. Because the attitude is right from the beginning. It's right from the beginning. And everybody is an ESCC agent yes. in their own sectors. Yes. So there will be no need for an anti-corruption commission. True. Because there will be no corruption. True. But because people are approaching leadership from a very negative uh, perspective, that's why now you need a police do uh, watchdog organization to keep tabs. And we can't do it. Seriously, we can't. We don't have the resources. We don't have the time. It's not even worth it to deploy ESCC officers across Kenya and in every sector. It is not practically possible. possible. But if each one of us, given that responsibility, just take that spirit that I am here to serve Kenyans. Yeah. I am here to deliver. Whatever I get out of it is a privilege. Mm. It's an honor. Yeah. You know, as you're talking, Bishop, a question comes to mind. Eh? Yes. Uh, what I've heard, me have just heard. Eh? Yes. <laughs> That, um, okay, one I've observed, I've observed that uh, somebody can get into leadership, be it political or an organization, and at the beginning they are so straight, they know what they want, I'm here for the people and they serve. Over time, they just change. And the second thing I've had, if it's for the political scene, I invested a lot of money, you know, to get in here. And when I get there, it's sort of an investment. So it's time to bring it back. What's your thought about that, bearing in mind of this powerful statement you've said, servant leadership, it's all about attitude of the mind. In these two scenarios, what it's could true. be happening in this person's it mind? It is true. Uh, let me take the last, the last question you have asked about politics and investment. Two things I would want to say. The first is at individual level. The second is at in, uh, uh, institutional level. Yes. The individual level... I must, if I'm going into politics, let me first and foremost go into politics with the attitude of service. So if you're investing, you are investing for the people, not for yourself. And I wouldn't say the money you have put into campaigns and all those is an investment for future return. No. No. Wrong premise. Wrong premise. Most of the uh, serious critical leadership positions are for people who are out to serve. And they rarely give you back the returns. 
Jesus, if he was to get a return for his investment, what would he get? Eh. The devil even tried to give him half of the world, not mm -hmm. even the whole one. Mm. What would he get? What would he be here for? But then some of us say, but that was Jesus. He was God. You know, we, we are human beings. We need to put food on the table. How much food do you need on the table to really satisfy you? In, 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 in uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, food and those kind of needs are at the very bottom. So money is at the bottom of the hierarchy of needs. Men and women who have had an impact in the world and whose names we read about uh, in, in the halls of fame are not people who went for money. They are men and women who sacrificed their lives for the sake of others. When you think of Nelson Mandela, Mother Teresa, Martin Luther King Jr., all those people whose names, William Wilberforce. Wangari Mathai. Wangari Mathai, yeah. you know. They didn't go into it because of the money. They didn't go into it because of the compensation. But they went in because of sacrifice for a cause. And it is this cause that drove them, leaving everything else that they would have benefited from uh, in order to do this for the sake of the people. So if you are a person who is still at the basic level of food on the table, don't go into politics because this, that's not the place for you. Politics is, should be for people who have got their minds and they are seeing things, they want to make a difference, they want to serve the people, and therefore they are willing to do it for free if need be. Repeat that statement again, Bishop. <laughs> they need to hear well. Well, hoping they are listening. <laughs> they are. Or their friends will tell them. Please listen and tell them. No. If I need to get into politics. Don't go in for money. Go somewhere else. Politics. I was, I was a neighbor to, or one of my neighbors was uh, a politician. Yes. A member of parliament. I looked at his operations and I said... I'm not cut for politics. <laughs> <laughs> Even if the people say, go, go. <laughs> because from day one to day end that he, he was in office, yes. every day we wake up from morning to evening, there were crowds at his gate, which was just next to ours. You know, crowds. Yeah. How do they know he's home? They know, they get to know. Yes, they are MP. From that day, he became a member of parliament. At his gate, at the watchman's house, there was a drum, a big drum that had tea oh to serve these people. Yeah. And just like the Bible says that fire never went out of the altar. The fire never went out under that drum <laughs> for five years. Wow. Day in, day out. day out. Because every day, these people are coming at different times of the day, being served tea, being, you know. And I just looked at it, I say, no wonder these people, you know, uh, these members of parliament need so much money. Because... There are people there who want school fees, the people there who want this, people there who want that, and people there who want the other. So you can only do that when you have 
come for sacrifice. Because Jesus went through the same. Now, the, the, the slight difference between us and Jesus is that he could multiply five loaves and two fish and feed 5,000 yes. and more. Yes. Uh, sometimes, we, many times, we are not able to do that ourselves. So you need resources uh, to be able to do that. So you can't go into politics to invest. No. That I'm putting in 10 million. By the time I finish, I will have 100 million. No. That's a wrong spirit. That's a wrong attitude. Go in to serve the people. So that is at personal level. Yes. At institutional level, we need as a country to work on our political system. Politics in this country has become an enterprise and an enterprise for the rich. So that you and I, may, may, let me just say I, because I don't know about you. Me too. <laughs> I've not received the call to be a politician. <laughs> you, you haven't received the call. But I'm talking about people, you and I, who have received the call. Yes. You feel I need to make a difference. I, there's something I can do. But you don't have the resources. Very true. Therefore, you just watch in pantomime, <laughs> you know, as other people do it. Yes. So our electoral system needs serious review so that... It is not so expensive. It is not so expensive that any person who would have the calling and the gifts and the skills to serve the Kenyans can have that opportunity to be able to get into that space and provide leadership. That in itself will reduce the incidences of corruption among politicians because yes. you didn't invest in quotes uh, much. So you are really not looking for how to get it back, but you are focused now on how to deliver services to the people. So that is a, a discussion that we need to have as a people and put in place a legal framework that makes sure and ensures that ordinary people who have the calling to serve people are given the opportunity to do so without the financial hurdle which currently is. Um, I'm told that it is estimated, let me say, I'm, I'm told, it is estimated that for you to be the president of this country, yes. you need no less than 10 billion. From where? That's the question, <laughs> from where? Yeah. For all the campaigns, the media, the what, and at first I thought it was a joke. In 2005, or that 2010, 2010, yes, it was, when we were campaigning for the constitution. Uh, as you well know, I was in the camp uh, no, camp oh, no campaign. Yes. And uh, so when the referendum was coming up, we, um, we needed to organize ourselves to, to protect our vote, you know. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> now, just one item yes. of getting uh, agents at every polling station. Right now, I think we have about, let me put it around figure for, for ease of our calculation. Let's say we have about 40,000 um, uh, polling stations. In each of those polling stations, if you put two people, uh, that is 80,000 shillings if you're paying them one shilling. Mm -hmm. If you multiply that 
by say you are giving them 1000 shillings just for that one day normally you need them for more that is 800000 shillings okay if you multiply that because normally you will not just uh put one and for one day you will need these people for at least 3 to 4 days minimum maximum 5 put them 5 mm. but that is just the day yes okay yes people you put there should be people who have worked with you who you are sure that they will protect, protect your vote yeah. <laughs> you know so when we calculated we needed about 300 million to have agents across the country to protect our vote we just said god you will protect your vote <laughs> <laughs> that is just one item oh my by the time we calculated we needed no less than half a billion oh just to do the basic minimum, minimum across the country so now think of the campaigns think of the agents think of the what and the what it is running into billions so it tells you therefore that that is not mean task for any ordinary one of us there must be so we have to work on how do we reduce this cost yes so that people who are gifted people who have passion for the country people who want to provide support for the nation but don't have at their disposal these kinds of monies can still have opportunity to provide leadership whether at president governor uh senator member of parliament mca women rep and all those positions that are available so if that is the case you can see why then it also could lead to corruption yes because obviously if you are going to get 10 billion there are people who will support you and once these people support you they want they are investing mm. so after words they will yes. be coming back for tenders they'll be coming back for you know and for and for yeah. and for and you can see how it then perpetuates corruption yeah so that's where i say at institutional level and where the institution here is government yes. is, is is kenya mm. as a whole mm. we need to think how can we reduce the cost of our politics and the cost of our elections that by itself will help us deal with this thing of i invested and now i want my returns okay yeah. one more what of this one who gets in clear but along the way yes that was your first question then you you, you find them now in in those that is, cases and all that yes that is what uh if you have heard me i was talking about culture change that as a nation we need a cultural trans culture transformation on this matter of 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 uh, corruption because we have accepted that corruption is normal we have institutionalized corruption and therefore um 
you find that when a person gets service, let's say put it now in, in a government office, and they're not asked for anything, we actually get shocked. You know, I, 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 you even come to report, you know, I went and did this and nobody asked me for anything. Yeah. You are actually surprised when it is supposed to be the other way around. So because of that culture, you as a very clean and clear-minded person, you get into this space and you find this culture where everybody is doing what you believed was not right. So you become the odd man out. Now, culture corrupts. And not just the corruption culture. You, if you go to a, you are a person who is very good at timekeeping, you believe in timekeeping, then you get employed into this organization. So work, you are told in your appointment letter starts at 8. Before 8, you are there. And you are the lone soul in the office. Mm. 8.30, one person comes. The majority of people arrive at 9. And you're like, what's happening here? Mm. The following day, you do the same. The third day, you do the same. One week, you are still doing the same. Uh, two weeks later, you are beginning to think, why should I go so early? And there are no people there. So I'll go at 8.15. You go at 8.15. There are no people there. Before you know it, you're coming at 8.30. You're coming at 9. What has the culture done to you? The culture has corrupted your values. Oh. You who are very committed to timekeeping and punctuality and so on, now you find yourself where you have joined in. <laughs> you know? Now you are also arriving at 9 o'clock. So I'm meeting you at your gate. I'm asking you, hey, Grace, this is 9. What are you still doing around? Ah, we, we, we report, you know, it, it all depends. <laughs> we check in around 9, 8.30. Yeah. It's quite normal in our place. Mm. The culture has corrupted yes. you. Uh. Even though you are a person who had certain values principles. That's what culture does. And some of us find ourselves in those situations. You have man or woman of integrity. You So it requires serious commitment on your part to be counterculture. Wow. Yeah. This is the Leadership Forum where we discuss matters leaders. Yes. If I forget everything else you've said, <laughs> attitude of the... It begins with me. Yes. I cannot say it's Wanainchi who pushed me to. It's my followers who pushed me to. No. My attitude as a leader. And the choice that you make. And the choice. Yes. Mm. Yes. A and C. A and C. Sour. Yeah. Let's proceed. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So we, we said we today we are talking about servant leadership and as i said for those who have been ardent listeners to this leadership forum this is not the first time that you're coming across this but i thought it would be relevant for us at this transition time where many people are coming into leadership uh, at different levels how do you approach this so we will look at some characteristics of a servant leader yes uh, what what is it that makes a servant leader uh, there's uh, a group called uh, the Tribunal of Diocese of 
uh, Evansville, Indiana, who compiled uh, for themselves 12 characteristics which I've found very, very helpful uh, of a servant leader. And the first one, they say that they are servants first. This is what we already talked about. They put others first. Uh, they take personal risks, make personal sacrifices for the benefit of the people that they lead. Yeah. And that's where I was saying that you come into leadership not for what you will get or what you can get, but for what you can give and how you can serve the people. That attitude is what will take you and help you navigate these landmines that uh, are in many organizations, uh, not just at uh, in government. So when you take that attitude of I am a servant, then you'll not be looking for shortcuts. You'll not be looking for personal benefits. You'll not be looking for what can I get. You'll be looking for how do I serve? How do I deliver for the people who have put me in this position. Uh, the second is that they focus on people and relationships. They know and they appreciate that every human being was created equal before God. Our circumstances place us at different levels, most times without choice. So, I'm born in one part of the world, you are born in another part of the world. I'm born in one part of the country, you are born in another part of the country, and so on and so forth. Uh, I'm born into a poor family, you are born into a rich family. Uh, and those circumstances then begin to determine the journey we take in life. But bottom line, we are equal before God. Yeah. So just because your circumstances have put you in a particular place, have put you possibly in a more privileged position than I am, does not mean that you are greater than I am or that I'm greater than you. It's just that our circumstances led us into different directions. And so when I get this opportunity, therefore, to serve you, I should appreciate that Yes, you may be lower than I am. Yes, you may be less privileged than I am. But you are just as good and you deserve just as a good service as any other person. And therefore, I serve you from that point of view. Mm. That other than for the circumstances, we could easily switch roles. You yeah. could be where I am and I could be where you are. Yeah. Yes. So I value, therefore you in the place where you are and I treat you with the dignity and respect that you deserve. Sometimes leaders forget that and because I am more privileged and I'm in a privileged position, I then begin to treat you like you are nothing. You know? Like you are an object. Like you are at my mercy. You know? So that is where the abuse of power comes in. Yeah. So that sometimes, let's go uh, take a political uh, environment. Yes. We elect you to be our women leader. Women rep. Mm. Whatever, women <laughs> rep, yes. yes. But now 
you expect us to serve you rather than you to serve us. So the, it is a total change. The Mweshimiwa, therefore, now becomes the boss <laughs> and the ordinary person who elected them, woke up early, went to vote, put them in place, is now the downtrodden. And so there's still an outcry. Where are our leaders? Why are they not serving us? Why not delivering? The first agenda you go into parliament with is how to get more money, how to enrich myself. What kind of perks do I need? You know? But you're not thinking of the person you left behind, the person who woke up to vote for you, the person who put you there to serve them. To what extent are you fighting for their rights, their needs? Their, no. That is the servant leadership perspective that a new leader needs, a leader, not a new leader, any leader needs to have in mind mm. that I am here to serve the people. And therefore, the relationships that I cultivate with people are such that I am serving them. I am here for them. That is what makes a difference and that we are all made equal before God. Yes. Jesus, if we go to the James John story that we, we talked about a few weeks ago, when James and John were, came to him and asking one to sit on the left, one to sit on the right, he took that opportunity to tell them, that is what is done by rulers out there. Mm -hmm. You know? Yes. They lord it over the people. And that is how many of us as leaders do it. We lord it over the people. We have these privileged positions. We have this, uh, unfortunately, as crypt even in church. And I, I have said this, I'm a church leader, mm. or rather I have been a church leader. <laughs> I think I'm still a Once church a leader. Church leader is a church leader bishop. <laughs> I am chair of EAK, so yes. I'm still a church leader. Yes. But even in church, I'm finding a new trend in church that is strange. Talk about that. In that you find a pastor can't even carry their Bible, you know? Uh. They, they, they have become such bosses. They have become so high up there. I, I find it strange. I can tell you I find it strange. One time I was preaching, I was speaking, I was invited to speak at a, a conference um, in South Africa. Yes. And uh, when I went into this place, we are taking you to the holding room. And there's a person there waiting with a shoe brush <laughs> and, and, and a piece of cloth. Mm. And mm. they bow, kneel down to brush my shoes. <laughs> I said, no. <laughs> when I looked at my shoes, well, they may not have been as shining as maybe it's supposed to be in mm. this particular church. Yeah. But I didn't think that a whole grown-up should be kneeling at my feet to brush my shoes. This and it's not a culture thing. 
<laughs> no, it's not a culture thing. It's culture of the church. It's not ah, culture of the, the South country. Africans. Yeah. No, it's not a country <laughs> culture. Yes. I've been to South, South Africa several times in different forums. I've never had that <laughs> done yes. for me. Mm. But I'm, I'm just thinking, these are some things we create, we have created within the church. Um, pastors and bishops, fellow pastors and bishops, servants of God, who now have become the bosses. They are the masters. When Jesus said, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. But now us who are his servants are become have come to be served, not to serve. I find it very strange. I've been in leadership position within the Christian community for 20-something years, going to 30-something years. I can tell you that is not how we practice. Uh, I thank God in Sitam we don't do those kind of things. <laughs> so it is you are thinking that this person is one of us. This person, I just happen to be more privileged than they are. That's why I'm in this position. Yes. But other than that, I could be where they are and they could be where I am. You who is sitting in a government office, that you have been given privilege to serve people and you are paid by taxpayers' money, and you are treating the ordinary person who has come for service at your counter with such contempt, with such despise, you know, I mean, they live there and they want to cry yeah. because of the way they were treated. And yet these are the people who have pay, are paying our salaries. These are the people who are paying our salaries. As chair of the commission, these are the people who are paying my salary yes. or my allowance, yeah. you know? Mm. So how do we treat them with some level of dignity? It, does not always, it doesn't mean that we will always solve everybody's problem. That is impossible. Even Jesus didn't, yes. you know? <laughs> but mm. just that respect that we treat people with, uh, with that sense of dignity, is what we are talking about, servant leadership. Number three, servant leaders emphasize personal development and change. What this means is that the things that we have said and the ones that we are going to say, first of all, stem from a personal awareness of who I am. As and a, a personal As a leader. Mm. And a personal appreciation. You know, Grace, I cannot serve you with dignity and respect if I don't respect myself. True. You know? True. The only reason that Jesus could allow himself to wash his disciples' feet is because he had confidence in himself. So kneeling down to wash his disciples' feet, he knew it would not take anyway, anything away from him. Those of us who feel that the only way for people to know that I'm a big man is by being served, then you can't because you feel or you think that if I do this for you, then I lower my dignity. I lower myself. I, I am less than you, you know. 
So for me to show you that I am an important person, then you have to serve me, you know? And I say that most of the people who find themselves in what I call or what is called as inferiority complex, when a leader has an inferiority complex, it is very difficult for them to be servant leaders. What would this leader do, for example? A person who has inferiority complex already comes from the perspective that I am less than what I should be. So when you as Grace comes to me, I think that's how you also see me. Uh, I already have self-doubt as a person, as a, as person. a leader. Yes, I have self-doubt. So when you come to me, I want to prove to you that I am not what you think. <laughs> mm. Do you see? Yeah. So when I'm mistreating you, I am showing you my power so that you can appreciate that I'm a powerful person. That's, that's, and subconsciously that is what is happening. So I, I cannot therefore lower myself because then you will, I will be confirming you are thinking about me. <laughs> Psychology, that's what is going on in my mind. So yes. if I do something that is less than what is considered to be at my position, then you will go away thinking, mm, so he's not that, you know, the person I thought he was, you know, he's not that good. So therefore, I have to show you that I'm a very important person. I tell people that when you hear a leader saying, don't you know I'm the boss here? Mm. It tells you that they don't believe you are the bo- they are the boss. They are doubting themselves. They are They're doubting not sure them. of themselves. That's, they're actually telling themselves. Yeah. They're not telling you. They're telling themselves. When a person has to tell you, I'm the chairman, <laughs> I am the CEO. Yes. I am the chief. Don't you know I am there? They are actually doubting themselves because chiefs don't have to say they are chiefs. Mm -mm. People will just know. Yes, (laughs) even their dressing would tell. The boss doesn't say I'm the boss. People know you are the boss. Yeah. The CEO doesn't say I'm the CEO. We know you are the CEO. Are we together? Yes. But because I'm doubting it myself, then I have to say it. But I'm not saying it to you. I'm saying it to myself. I'm reassuring myself. And the consequence of what follows is that I do things that are crazy. Mm. Mistreat you, uh, demean you, make you feel small, and it makes me happy. Oh, really? Yes. It makes me happy when you feel small because then I know, oh, yeah, now they know who I am. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> yeah, now they know who I am. Yeah. Yeah. Does but, it mean sorry yeah. Bishop? Does, does it mean um yes this person could be having all the qualifications of a leader but it's something that is stemming from their background maybe growing up or is it just something they have picked up? There are many factors that lead to that and that's why I said it is an attitude. Is a perspective. Yeah. So this person can be a very gifted person as a leader. They may have all it takes as a leader. But in their own eyes, that's why we are talking about self-awareness. In their own eyes, they see themselves as small, as demeaned, and so on. And that can stem from several things. One of them that has been proven, and I think we 
talked about it when we talked about destructive leadership. Yes, yes. That most destructive leaders have a historical background. Some of them may have been demeaned in their families, where they were told you are useless, you will not amount to anything. And so when they get opportunity, then they want to prove that they are something. And now the way they do it comes out very badly, uh, comes out very negatively. A person like Hitler, for example, we gave yes. the example here, um, came from that kind of a background where he was really demeaned as a young person, as a child, uh, abused, molested, and so on. So when he gets the opportunity, he wants to prove that he is someone. And in that effort of trying to prove you're someone, it's only by bringing down others, demeaning people, killing people and all that. And it gives you some level of satisfaction because you are greater than these people. Yeah, it is, it is very unfortunate. Yeah. But that happens. So it may not go to that extreme for most of us, but it goes with making sure people respect me making sure people are below me, making sure I demean people, I, I talk badly to people, I respond badly to people. And when I see them uh, looking at me strangely, then I know, yeah, now you know who I am. Now you can mm. appreciate who I am. But you'll find that people who have self-confidence, they don't care what you think. Mm -mm. No, they, you, they just serve you. <laughs> yes. We just do what we need to do. Yeah. And, and uh, that really makes you a more effective leader. You're not afraid to do things for people because your value is not on what you do. Your value is already intact. Yeah, yes, it's already yes. within you. Yes, you don't <laughs> yeah. need affirmation. You don't need affirmation. You don't need external props. No, <laughs> yeah, that's the word. <laughs> To, to, to make you a better person. No. So when you see leaders who then mistreat people, misuse people, abuse authority, abuse position, abuse power, most likely is telling you that this person doesn't know who they are. They don't appreciate who they are. When I see people who want more and more of money, it tells you that something is lacking which they want to compensate with money. That's why they will get into corrupt deals. Mm -hmm. Because it, it's a way of, the, their thinking is that the more money I have, the more powerful I'll be, and the more people will appreciate me. They will appreciate your money. They will not appreciate you. True. <laughs> and that's and they why, want more from you. And they more want more from you. Yeah. And that's why you find many of these people, when their money runs out, people also run away. True. And they say, I'm, I'm, there's no one around me. Because they were not following you for who you are. They were following you for what you had. And uh, it's very unfortunate. So be yourself. Just be yourself. We don't need money to prop you up. Yeah. <laughs> Value people value and people. value relationships. Yes, I, I don't know why. Since you know, uh, over the, the season we've done leadership, Bishop, you've kept mentioning people are important. People are important, and there could be a leader watching and listening to us and feels, "Wow, that one you've stepped on me." Is there a turning point? Is there a point to make it right? And if it's there, what is that? 
if there was no turning point, we wouldn't be on this forum. This <laughs> forum is supposed to um, help us uh, emphasize things that you already knew or bring new ideas that perhaps you didn't know and information for the purposes of becoming better leaders. So our we are not here to bash uh, people, uh, but to say you can change. This is a here is a better way. So the person who is already in this space, this is where you are. You shout at people in your office or your team members. You mistreat them. You say, "Don't you know I'm the boss?" and so on. You can change, and it is a change of. Attitude, attitude and perspective. perspective. Yes. So once you change your attitude and perspective, try next time somebody come to your office, try to treat them nicely. And just see how people respond. Talk to people like human beings and see how respond. In fact, that response you are looking for comes when you treat people with respect rather than when you mistreat them. The response of people respecting you, people honoring you, people serving you, it has been shown through studies, not the Bible, through academic scholarship studies. It has been shown that leaders who respect their members get much more respect from their, from their members. They, get, they will do for you anything because you respect them because you treat them nicely, because you talk to them nicely. Yeah. And, and I have seen this to some extent in my own leadership journey. You know, people just respect you because you respect them. You yeah. appreciate them. Mm -hmm. You treat them like human beings. So why, why, why mistreat people? So you can change. Just try it. It is normally, studies again have shown that uh, habit change takes about 40 days. Not 21. Not 21. 40. 40 days. Mm -hmm. If it is something that you are doing on a daily basis, if you have a habit that you do on a daily basis, it takes you 40 days, you know, to reverse it. So that if, for example, let me use a simple, you, you are used to shouting at everyone. Yes. Just say this. Today, I'm not going to shout at anyone. Just today. Don't go for full 40 days. Yes. But because your mind will block. Just say today, as I go to the office or as I go to my workplace or whatever it is you know, where I normally shout at people, today I'm not going to shout. Whatever happens, I'm not going to shout. When the day ends, celebrate. Yeah. You know? It will may be very difficult because opportunities will provide themselves where you need to, sh or rather you want to shout. But because you are told yourself, it's only today I'm not going to shout, that day is gone. If you do that for 40 days, it is changed. So instead of the shouting, say a positive word. Yes. Replace the bad with good. So Grace comes in, she has not done the work I told her to do, and everything within me is, is like, Grace, this is not what I told you. This is not what I expect of you. And I, you know, 
Instead, I asked Grace, so what, tell me what happened. How come this work has not been done? And then Grace explains, oh, this is what happened. Uh, I'm so sorry, sir. And this is then I say, okay, please go and do it and come back within this time. Grace is shocked because yeah. she came in expecting fireworks. Bulletproof, Bishop. Bulletproof. As you threw, I, she'll, she'll be, she'll be. And you go away thinking, wow, there's something different in that office. Well, yeah. well, which side did my boss wake up? Yeah. You know, she comes tomorrow, same thing. Another person comes, same thing. Five days down the road, they're like, something is happening in that place. Yes. 10 days, 40 days, the spirit and attitude in the office begins to change, you know? Yes. And even you begin to feel better. And before you know it, you are a totally different person. Yes. So change is possible in whichever area. But it starts with my deciding I want to change and my different attitude and perspective to leadership. Okay. Yes. Thank you. That was a post for every leader who is at that area, not valuing relationships and people. Maybe we could tackle one more bishop, then we get to our question of the day. Yeah. I, okay. Yes. Question of the people. Yes. Question, <laughs> <laughs> question of the people. Please keep them coming. Your questions. 20933 at 0717400555 is our WhatsApp line. And of course, you can talk to us at Hope FM Live at Hope TV Kenya. And I should well be sampling your question of the day or question of the people for today. Yeah. <laughs> Both. Both. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, there's a Chinese saying that goes with what we have just talked about, mm. uh, which says, he who feels punctured must have once been a balloon. <laughs> mm -hmm. He who feels punctured must have once been a balloon. So when you have puffed yourself up beyond who you really are, then when somebody says something that goes against your ego, you'll feel punctured. Yeah. But when you ask yourself, very few things will puncture you. Yeah. 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 If I call you a dog, you know I'm not a dog. You're mm -mm. not a dog. Mm -mm. So what is the problem? Yeah. Mm. But if you are a balloon, that will puncture you. You Very call hard. me a dog? Mm -hmm. <laughs> How dare you? Don't you know who Don't I am? Don't you know who I am? <laughs> the office I hold. <laughs> you will be in big trouble. Yeah. Um, servant leaders have a vision. They build a shared vision and articulate common goals. The leader, therefore, is a servant to the vision and does not usurp the vision. For you to be a good servant leader, focus on the vision. Uh, this may sound contradictory to what we have just talked about earlier about focusing on the people. Mm. But focus on the vision helps you 
to rally people as colleagues towards accomplishing the vision. We have to pray, Bishop. We have a minute. Thank you. Yes. Pray for us. Father, we thank you for giving us this opportunity to talk about leaders and leadership. Many of us find ourselves in many places of leadership and responsibility. And Lord, sometimes we don't know how to conduct ourselves, what to do. But this day, we pray that you help each one of us to be the kind of leader that becomes a servant to the people. This is our prayer, which we make in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you for tuning into the Leadership Forum. The Leadership Forum. Discussing leaders and followers. 